Reimagining Time is a podcast that shares the stories and ideas of educators who are changing the way they use time to meet student needs. I cannot believe we thought the only way kids could succeed if we controlled all the time that we give them during the school day. I can't believe that we thought the only reason our way kids will move in buildings is by bells. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Luke Clamp about the unique journey of reimagining time at River Bluff High School in Lexington, South Carolina. Luke was the principal at this school, and his experience in shifting his own mindset and thinking outside the box can benefit educators in all kinds of circumstances. This school has successfully run a FlexMod schedule, but its story with flexible learning goes back even further than the schedule or the curriculum. One of the first steps they took at River Bluffs High School is actually how the school was structurally designed and built. What sparked that idea? Designing the school of the future. Luke gives us some background and context. Uh, we sit in a, in a community in Lexington, South Carolina, that is growing extensively. And so actually our voters in South Carolina and Lexington County voted to approve a bond referendum that would build a school of the future. That bond was actually committed by the voters in 2008 to build River Bluff, which would open in 2013. So when I think about it now, you know, just how long ago that was for people to even be thinking about that is really tremendous. Yeah. I was chosen in 2011 to be the principal of the school. I actually had two full school years in preparation for both uh, the instructional program and the physical design. And I got to work right alongside our architects and engineers throughout the entire process. That 24 month process of building River Bluff was in and of itself a memory I'll cherish forever. Here's where it really gets interesting. This building wasn't designed with the end goal of this is how it's going to look. It was designed with the end goal of this is the kind of student we want to graduate. Luke wrote about this in an NASSP article in 2019, which we'll link to in this episode's description. Those design criteria that you're referring to that I referred to in the, the blog was probably the most unique experience about our build because in previous years and even in future builds, architects are given square footage, they're given size and space, they're given needs. And they're asked henceforth and conquer, bring us a design that we can afford. In this particular design, our superintendent, uh, who's retired now, myself and a few other educational leaders, really sat down for months and began to design and dream about a graduate that would have really specific and usable skills. One of those being communication, one of those being collaboration, one of those being the ability to manage time, one of those being the ability to have available access to people that could provide them support, all of which we believe could happen during the school day. And so another, course, big piece to that was that our graduates would make contributions to a better world, that our graduates would leave our school contributing to the society to which they would inherit wherever they went, whether that was college or career. Those kinds of future-ready skills were the backbone of the school's structural design. Instead of a blueprint with specific measurements and square footage, it was more like this. We use those criteria and those beliefs and really those dreams to really be the catalyst behind the architecture's responsibility. Go design us a school that's going to give students a chance to create and collaborate with one another. Go design us a school where if we modified a schedule, space would be designed for students to work independent of time. Yeah. Design us a school where... Uh, natural light and stone features and space were really going to be 
a feature that would create a culture of openness and create a culture of safety and security. Um, design us a space where learning is public. Those design criteria were, were used then, and we gave that to architects and said, design us a school that we hope would graduate these types of students. Oh, by the way, graduate 50 years of students because a typical lifespan for a high school is 50 years. We believe our building has been you know, designed and architecturally constructed in a way that would graduate students for 75 years. So. Meanwhile, it's not all about the building work. Again, the basis for creating this school, the way it would look and feel, was the kind of students it would graduate. It was looking ahead to their skills. So there was another important piece. Okay, now while that's running in parallel, I'm exploring time. How do you explore time? Why would he be exploring time? Well, if you're thinking about the kind of school they were looking to build, it wasn't just the physical structure that was going to be imaginative. If this school was really going to be centered around building skills that prepared students for the future, time would need to be flexible. Was this something that Luke really wanted to do? Reimagine the school schedule? Okay, I had been a high school assistant principal in a um, large suburban high school here in Lexington that had a block schedule, so a four by four. I'd attended a school and worked and taught at a school where there was a four by four AB block, so alternating schedules for 180 days. And actually as a student, as a high school student, I lived in a block and an AB environment. So it was really all I had ever experienced as a professional educator. And to be honest with you, I was looking for every reason not to design or change the existing traditional schedule. When we try something, and it works, or at least we think it works, we typically don't see the need to fix it. So what changed his mind? And our superintendent really charged me with, you know, taking down any barriers I might have in my own personal belief and explore and expand. Our own mindsets can often be the biggest hurdle we have to overcome. And changing how we think about things and what we believe takes work and research and evidence. We've spoken in previous episodes about the importance of buy-in, getting teachers, students, and parents in your school on board with a new idea. For Luke, though, he had to start with himself first, but he was willing to take on the challenge. And I will believe that that encouragement and that desire to dream precipitated me in doing research and then actually traveling and going to see a flexible schedule in Omaha, Nebraska at Westside High School. Westside High School in Omaha, Nebraska is probably the nation's leader and has the most history of a flexible schedule over 30 years. 2,000 student suburban school, uh, public school. So I flew to Omaha uh, in early 2012 with every intention to come back with reasons why not to create a flexible <laughs> schedule. Maybe at this point he had more of a fixed mindset or was just really convinced that what they were doing was already effective. But what he saw quickly changed that. And I'll tell you, I wasn't on campus more than an hour that I began to say to myself openly and quietly, I cannot believe we've never done this before. I cannot believe we thought the only way kids could succeed if we controlled all the time that we give them during the school day. I can't believe that we thought the only reason our way kids will move in buildings is by bells. What was it that made such an impact? What did he see that could flip his thinking so quickly? It wasn't just what he saw, but the conversations he had. 
What made things at this school so different from what he had seen before? I got to talk to students there, and I spent most of my time talking to students. While the faculty members were very open with us and leadership wasn't well, I spent most of my time talking to students about their agency. Why are you going where you're going right now? For what purpose and what precipitated your mind? What impacted your mind for you to go to this learning center and work quietly by yourself? or to go to that learning center and work collaboratively with other students, to go to your art classroom and finish a project, to go to the basketball coach and ask a few questions about the night's game, to go to your English teacher who now has independent learning time as well and work one-on-one with them. And what was so unique was that the students could define what they were doing and why they were doing it without any governance from the school. How many students could you put these kinds of questions to and get answers that reflected they were making their own independent learning choices? Most students move from bell to bell and are going where they go because that's where they're told to go. And there is definitely flexibility that is possible within this kind of approach. But what he saw was taking things a step further and really teaching students how to make good choices. And it had a huge impact with how Luke thought about time and learning and the advice he has to give other educators who may be wary of flexible schedules. So I was quickly shifted in mindset. And if I would say anything to anyone listening about time, is give yourself a chance to change your mindset. Because that mindset shift and that belief in what students have the capacity to do and what they will do when you give them the chance to do it, will expand anything beyond your belief about what they have the capacity to do. What happens next? Luke didn't make all the decisions by himself. He realized that others at his school needed to see what he was seeing and have more of those conversations. I spent two days at Westside by myself. I came back to South Carolina and I said, all right, I need some more people to go with me because I want you to see what I can't see. I want you to go talk to the people I didn't. And I want you to see this in action. I actually took four teachers with me. I took a social studies, a science, a math, and a fine arts teacher. They visited the school at Westside and other schools, and were really shifted by what they saw. Luke's conclusion? And I was convinced, without certain, I was convinced we're going to do this in South Carolina. We would become the only flex month schedule in South Carolina. We came back and we spent a full year really studying. We hired a consultant to help us, and we built that first schedule. And then I'm going to jump ahead 10 years, okay? So we built that first schedule and we modified it five consecutive years. To find a schedule that works best for your students, it's going to take time. It's a good reminder that successful school models often need time to reach that point of success. But there are overall things that can be learned from the experiences of others and implemented in your own school. Luke and his colleagues learned the intricacies of FlexMod scheduling over the years and the different ways it can be structured. We learned every step of the way what worked and what didn't. And what we found, two things. Number one, the more pieces of time you break up. So instead of taking that time frame that was the 90-minute block, we initially started with 30s, 60s, and 90s. We've now broken it down even into 15s. The more pieces you have, the more flexibility you have. The more pieces you have, the more control you have. When a FlexMod schedule is broken up into 15-minute increments, these pieces can be separated or chunked together in a very fluid way, while still providing some structure. 
it creates more opportunities for everyone in the school building. And so you're also able to do very creative things like schedule every teacher in a collaborative planning session one hour a week with their peers. You can schedule professional learning during a school day with interdisciplinary groups one hour a week. So you begin to actually build more than just a student schedule. You actually begin to build a professional learning schedule. You begin to build a collaborative planning schedule. You build a student schedule. You build a room schedule. You actually build student agency within all of that. The process itself helps encourage creativity and teamwork. And um, you know, building the schedule has become this creative engine. Um, it's done you know, very collaboratively. It's done very authentically. Um, the, the, the chief designers, so I've, I've left River Bluff now. Two of the chief designers are still there. One of the techno, uh, technological leads is now at the systems level. And we hired another person that actually is working on the management side. But it, it's a beautiful thing. So my son is a ninth grader at River Bluff High School now. And I even told him when he started school this year, I said, I, I never imagined what I would be building and we would be building together it would be something you would get to experience. In many schools, new initiatives may lose steam after a year or two and may not outlast administration changes. So why was it different here? I'll tell you how important it was to us. So obviously COVID, uh, you know, interrupted the world. What we recognized is we were unsure as to, you know, how often we would be shut down. So, uh, you know, March 2019, the world shuts down. All right, that fall 20, 2019, we shifted our schedule to a block schedule. We wanted to keep kids in controlled environments. Again, we're all trying to figure out contact tracing, movement. If the if the world shuts down again and our kids are taking eight classes consecutively, will they have the capacity to continue remote learning and succeed? So that school year 2019-2020, we shifted from a flex mod schedule to a block over the summer. And as soon as we were confident that 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 uh, COVID was moving in a different direction in terms of interrupting, disrupting our schools and our lives, we shifted right back to FlexMod. Mm-hmm. So there were a group of people uh, that thought, oh, you know, this was just an experiment. They were just trying it out for a while. And I told them every single day, Block is here for a little bit. Flex is here to stay. We're going to go back. Now, we, we, we recognize a few things, right? A few iterations, but yeah, we went right back. But what does their schedule look like? For those listening who may be interested in adopting a similar approach, what can you learn from how this schedule is structured? Our schedule is a year-long schedule that exists on two halves of the day. So we call it an AM and a PM pattern. You have classes that meet four days a week and classes that meet three days a week. The class that you meet in the morning will stay in the morning. The class that you meet in the afternoon stays in the afternoon. Students are scheduled into lunch in the middle of the day. And that schedule is a five day cycle that repeats 36 times. So every Monday is the same. Every Tuesday is the same. But Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday are very different. And when I group those blocks of time, either 60, 60, 90 or uh, 60, 60, 60, 30. So the same amount of time between four days and three days. Mm -hmm. I group all that together. And then there's available white space throughout a student's schedule. It's called independent learning time. And that's really where the magic happens. So there is a cycle and consistency, but the structured classes are filled in with this independent learning time that really expands what students are able to do. And not just students, but what school leaders and other educators can do to help students. You know, this embedded belief about developing relationships is happening all over the building. 
as a principal, I met and had access to far more kids than I ever had before. Students are meeting and making scheduled appointments with their school counselors, with their coaches, uh, with teachers that they might need, with their individual peers. Seniors that had a little bit more independent learning time were engaging in off-campus work. They were volunteering at other schools. It was just amazing the ideas they would come up with using the available amount of time during the school day while also accomplishing all of their academic work. Yeah. So I would imagine as especially as you were building this and trying to um, share this idea that you had with other educators that, that there were going to be challenges that some people maybe didn't love this idea initially. So just to help maybe other schools that are trying to think about doing this, um, could you describe some of the challenges you faced along the way and maybe what helped you to get past those? Yeah. So, you know, as leaders, we typically get a lot of training and experience and expectational management. All right. So safety and management are paramount and they truly are. If you are thinking about engaging in a flex mod schedule, you need to understand that the safety and the management responsibility is not uh, held solely on administration and staff in a flex schedule. Every single student has to manage and engage their movement safely. You have to be prepared to see people moving around your building all the time. Luke goes on to explain a time when he had seen a group of students throwing around a frisbee in the middle of the day. His first reaction was, they weren't supposed to be doing that. But he waited, and the students all packed up and went different directions. What was going on? I later asked and inquired, what was going on during that time? Dr. Clant, we had a 30-minute ILT. We just needed to go outside and get some fresh air and just throw the frisbee for a minute. And I'm so much more able to concentrate now in my calculus class or my English class because I've gotten that fresh air. We know that. I mean, look, we do, we start giving kids and I'll use recess as a term from kindergarten to in many cases, almost eighth grade. And then we think as an adolescent, 15 to 18, we got to shut that down. We got to spend all this time in a box inside of a class because we've got all this amazing content we need to deliver. And we need 90 minutes for 90 days to do it. Truth of the matter is you don't. Truth of the matter is you can actually carry people further with less time because you become more organized. You become more intentional about your learning design. You actually put students first and not adults first. So one of the biggest challenges, learning to get comfortable with new ways of doing things. What are some more examples? So any leader listening, I would first encourage you be prepared to shift the responsibility of management and safety into the eyes of every single person in the building and be comfortable with movement. Be comfortable with unscheduled activity. Be comfortable with time being the resource and not just the beginning and the ending of the day. We don't ring any bells at River Bluff. And I'll tell you, no bells on a campus is a beautiful thing. adds to the evidence that this kind of approach is possible. But there are some more challenges. Think back to how Luke initially felt about adopting a flexible schedule. He wanted to find all the reasons not to do it, which highlights this point. The other thing I would tell you is it's not easy, right? Change is not easy. There are individuals who have been a part of the field of education for decades that believe the way they're doing it is successful and have likely gotten positive results. If you're measuring achievement, if you're measuring daily attendance, if you're measuring graduation rates, 
whatever it is you might measure, you likely can find success in the schedule that you're currently operating. That doesn't certainly suggest, however, that it's providing students all of the assets that you have for them on campus. From an equity standpoint, in many cases, block scheduling restricts people who don't have transportation to get access to all sorts of resources on campus. In the flexible schedule, you have time to do that. So I would encourage you, if you're a leader exploring time, if you're a leader exploring change, number one, be prepared for there to be growing pains. Years of it, and don't allow those pains to revert you back. Here's a quote. If you believe time is the resource, don't let anyone manage you out of your vision. Um, and then explore and do it. I would say just jump in the deep end. Flexible scheduling doesn't cost you any, any more money. All right. So you're still scheduling teachers in the same amount of class. Um, you do, however, have to look at your facility and um, organize or create space for students to be when they're not scheduled in the class. And it tr it can be done. There is absolutely no barrier to do this other than your, really and truly other than your mind and what you're willing to, you know, to wrestle with while you're going through the change. Being aware of what challenges to expect, how do you actually start? What is one of the first steps you can take to build a flexible schedule? So you create, when you're building this schedule, you create, first of all, we have a logic for it, but you also create your non-negotiables. Mm. He mentions a couple non-negotiables, dual enrollment and students having access to off-campus programs like cosmetology, welding, or automotive technology at their tech center. They may run a FlexMod schedule, but it was essential to them that students still have access to these courses. So again, you set those non-negotiables and then you build that schedule with those parameters in mind. Yeah. Teacher collaborative planning is a non-negotiable. If you're on an Algebra 1 team or a geometry team, we're going to schedule one hour of collaborative planning during the school day, uh, during the week, one hour per week for each team. He also mentions that they build their schedule by hand every year and do so considering student interest. Student interest is not an afterthought, but a main ingredient. Um, unfortunately, some of my peers, and I would challenge you if you listen to this, is this is you. You build a schedule based on adult needs as opposed to student needs. I want to teach that class this block because that's just when I like to teach it versus this class should exist now so that 100 percent of the students that want to take it get enrolled in it. So we sit down with groups of people. and We say, all right, give me your first, second and third choice of when you believe the most optimal time for this experience to happen based on facility space and usage. Then we're going to look at the conflict matrix, see how many kids signed up for it when it should be scheduled, then we do it together. Our last question is about advice. What advice does he have for those who want to reimagine time? The first I would say to any principal or leader is dream. Yeah. Really take the time to dream about the possibilities. And while you're dreaming, go ahead and take some notes for execution because if we expect to get different results, whatever those results might be, we should only expect that to happen if we change something. Otherwise, the system we've designed for is going to get the results that we've always gotten. And I will tell you that in my beliefs and my, my visits all around the country um, in visiting schools, there are schools, many schools getting exceptional results based on the schedule that they have. But they're always asking themselves, what else can we do? 
Well, if you are looking to do or become better, then consider time as a resource. Consider time as the variable that you can change that will then be able to affect the change in students and adults. Luke encourages those who are interested to see what it's like at River Bluff. If your school teams want to see it in action, you can reach out to Jacob Smith, the principal, and Meg Huggins, assistant principal. Luke himself is open to discussion on this topic, and you can reach out to him at lclamp at lexington1.net. That's L-C-L-A-M-P at lexington1.net. Here are his concluding words of advice. If you went to River Bluff High School right now and told them we're going back to a block schedule, there would be a revolt. The people that, that there's the amount of available time and the amount of access is so special. They would mutiny if we were to move back. So I would also challenge you to bring a team to River Bluff High School. River Bluff's already hosted several schools this year, one of whom uh, is very serious about changing their schedule for next year. And bring the naysayers when you come, because those are sometimes the ones that are so, the, the toughest to move. Give them a chance to see it, even if they're not ready yet. I do not believe in universal approval. There are likely individuals when you engage in any type of change that are just going to be resistant. You work as hard as you can with individuals to help their mindset shift. And when and if it doesn't, and you believe it's the right way, then other types of conversations have to happen because our students can't wait. Our students can't wait for us to change our minds about what we believe is best for them. So today's the day. Today's the day to do something different. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reimagining Time. And we especially want to thank the educators who have shared their time and hard work with us. This podcast is produced by Enriching Students, a software tool that's designed to help schools manage flex time. It's about time. Tune in for a new episode of Reimagining Time every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and more.